Welcome to Inside Photo Organizing from DIY to Pro with Allison Friedman from Arrange Wander Focus of Chicago, Illinois. And I am Susan Wallach from Save a Memory of Northern Colorado. Together, we will provide photo organizing tips and tricks for everyone from the person who wants to do it yourself to other pros in our industry. We'll discuss current software and hardware news about photo and digital asset management. We will be answering your questions, and we hope that as you learn more, you can complete your own photo organizing project and feel more confident to finally know, hey, I can find that special photo that I've been looking for. In today's podcast, Allison and I give you a little background about ourselves and how we got here. Then we get to interview Kathy Nelson, CEO and founder of The Photo Managers. Without The Photo Managers, Allison and I would not be in business. So let's get started. So Allison, I think we should probably tell our audience a little bit about us. What do you think? Good idea, Susan. You can go first. <laughs> of course. So I'm Susan Wallach. Some of you may know I, I reside in uh, northern Colorado area, just uh, north of uh, Boulder, if people are familiar with this area of Colorado. It's beautiful here. I have a lifelong love and fascination of photography of all kinds. It started, gosh, when I was very small and I got my first 110 camera. From there, as I began to enter the business world and have my first job, um, I just fell in love with with computers and technology. And that started in the early 80s when uh, the place that I was working for, uh, they brought in a brand new IBM word processor. Uh, that was the start of learning how to do data processing, which was a, a thing back then. And I also had a side job working for... Uh, Fox Photo, if any of you recall those uh, one-hour uh, film development companies. And through that job, I was able to purchase my first 35-millimeter camera. It was a Canon AE-1 program, and I just loved that camera. And uh, throughout my career, I just kept following tech-related and photography-related uh, topics that I that I was interested in and loved. And uh, Taught myself desktop publishing. I learned uh, PageMaker. Uh, it was originally a company uh, called Aldis that created that before Adobe bought it. So that was the software I, I first learned. I learned computer repair after I bought my first computer. And then I started helping others to repair their computers and upgrade them. Then my interest kind of changed and I got into network administration and taught myself graphic design and um, jumped on web development. That was in the mid 90s. And then in the late 90s, uh, because of my um, knowledge in web development, I, uh, I got hired as a records manager and webmaster for the local city that I live in. So I began to work for local government and just retired in 2022 after 24 years of doing that. And before retiring, I discovered the photo managers, which was called Apo back then, and found a way to combine all of my IT background and my love for, for photography by starting Save a Memory. 
Now I help others regain control of their photos so they can enjoy and share them well into the future with their family. Allison? My background is a little bit different, Susan, as we've talked about before. I actually am a former lawyer. I spent 17 years at a litigation firm here in Chicago. Uh, But before that, I did a variety of things. I was an anthropologist in Salt Lake City. I was an ornithologist at the Point Reyes Bird Observatory in California. I um, even led interpretive walks and talks at the Grand Canyon and helped out on some of the emergency evacuation type situations when people would randomly decide they want to take a photo in the wrong spot and fall. And we would go and have to pull them back up. So a whole variety of things. I've also always been interested in photography, particularly birds and birds in flight, which then, of course, means I have about a gazillion photos, bad ones of birds flying. In fact, most of them have a corner of a wing and not much else. But all of that aside, during COVID, I decided to pivot and do something different I wanted to do more with my photography side. I had some extra time on my hands, so I was organizing my own photos and then decided that and realized it's not an easy thing to do. There's so many tips and tricks and things that are required to wrangle a large photo library into submission. So uh, Arrange Wander Focus, my company, was born literally at the desk next to my fish tank because my kids were at home learning in the basement and there was no else, nowhere else for me to be. And now a couple of years later, I've refined the business quite a bit. I'm no longer working next to the fish tank, but have my own space, which is quite nice. Um, but now I focus on helping others organize their photos, convert their videos, find all and pull all of those old photos out of the basement and actually get them into a place where they can enjoy them, make photo books, make slideshows, and actually share and keep their photos into the future. Great. So with this podcast, we're going to continue to expand on our backgrounds and share the information that we're following and learning ourselves through our association and through other industries. And we hope that you'll join us in this ride called photo organizing. (laughs) I think it'll be fun, Susan. You know, we'll have all sorts of things to discuss. Questions that we get from clients, questions that hopefully we'll get from our readers. You know, some of the things that, and I'm sure you're quite similar, but some of the issues that I've worked on for clients or had people ask me over the last while is, I just found a whole bunch of old, you know, reel to reel in my basement. What should I do with it? Um, you know, what, where can it be? How can I convert it? How can I then watch it after that? Or where should I store my photos? There's so many choices out there and I don't know what to do. Or my phone is all out of space. What do I do about that? And how do I keep my photos there? There's just a whole host of topics. Um, A really common one, how do I get rid of all the duplicates clogging up my phone? Or how do pros actually make these photo libraries truly searchable beyond just typing in cat? How can I find my own cat? Not that I have one. I actually have a dog. But if I had a cat, 
how can I find my cat instead of just the random cat pictures that are out there? So there's a whole lot of things. And I'm super excited to go through some of this with you, Susan, because you have an incredible knowledge of technology and apps and, and all this stuff. And I think that we make a really nice team. We'll have some fun here. Well, and I have to add your comment about finding those duplicates. Oh my gosh. You know, when you know how to back up, I have terabytes now of backup photos and I'm trying to dedupe those. And back in 2019, that's what started me on this whole um, research of how to wrangle my own digital mess that I self-imposed on on myself. And that led me to searches on the web, which led me down the path of finding uh, the Association for Professional Photo Organizers, APO, back then, now called the Photo Managers. And there landed all the resources that I needed to not only figure out how to help myself, but then as we both mentioned earlier, um, how we landed on our our new uh, businesses for for ourselves. So, yeah, I'm I'm just so passionate about this topic, and I don't think there's a day that doesn't go by that I I learn something new. Just learned something from you yesterday about how to backdate videos so the the metadata sticks. There's always something. Every single day, there's something new and every client, every question. I mean, it's just constant, but I think that's what makes it fun is because I love learning about new technology and new ways to do things. And it just is what makes it exciting. Of course, it also leads me down a lot of rabbit holes. So there may be podcasts in here that include some of those rabbit holes that we've gone down, Um, but all of it is to help us do better and to help give you guys that are listening some of the knowledge that might help you in organizing your own photos and your own and your own projects. Great. Well, I look forward to many more of these uh, conversations with you, Allison. So thanks for coming along on this ride. For sure. We're going to have a good time Um, and we're going to start our good time with our first guest, our inaugural guest. And we thought about this for a bit, you know, how do we want to introduce this podcast to, you know, all the people out there in podcast land. And for both Susan and I, we would not be here with our businesses without the photo managers and the photo managers would not be here without Kathy Nelson, who is their founder, our founder, and just a general all around really nice person. So we asked Kathy if she would join us for our inaugural podcast and talk a bit about what photos mean to her and her background and why she started the photo managers. So we want to welcome our first inaugural guest, Kathy Nelson, CEO and founder of the photo managers today. Welcome, Kathy. We've got just a few questions. We're excited to share um, this association with our audience because I know for me, it's what uh, landed me, my interest in getting my own business um, started and, and all the resources that you provide is just fabulous. So welcome to our inaugural podcast. I am beyond thrilled to be here. So I said, we need this podcast. The world needs you. So I'm (laughs) glad to be the first one and thrilled to support you through this process. 
Awesome. So we'll get started with a few questions. And, you know, if you have uh, some additional information to feed us along the way or add that we are, we're not asking you that you think is important, uh, please do jump in. So where does your love of photos come from? Oh, that's a good question. My love of photos. I think my first memory is when I was in eighth grade or uh, I, I was the favorite babysitter of three little boys. They were Lars, Lance and Leslie. They were four, six and eight and nobody else could manage them but me. And I think it's because I was uh, I started babysitting for them probably in sixth or seventh grade. I got to still be a kid myself because we could just play really hard. But I was like the the adult babies, you know, the teenage babysitter. And the parents invited me to come to babysit their kids. They were from Sweden. So they asked me to come and spend three weeks with them in Sweden as the babysitter. Now, once I became a parent and I looked back, I realized, oh, I know exactly what they were thinking. But to me, it was like, oh, my gosh, I get to go to Sweden and babysit and take, you know, play with these boys and keep them entertained. Well, the parents obviously had a much better time because I was there and I brought a little point and shoot camera with me. And it was my first time experiencing homesickness, but also a new culture. And, you know, people weren't flying on a date myself, but people weren't traveling like they are today in uh, 19, probably in the early 70s, 1970s. And I um, came home and I really wanted to tell everybody about my vacation. And the only way I could tell them was once I got those little photos developed, probably from a brownie point and shoot camera, I still have some of those photos today. So I think that's when I really fell in love with the connection that the way for me to tell people what I experienced was to show them visually. And the only way I could do that and the best way to do that was through the photos I took. That's a fabulous story. I love that. What inspired you to start the photo managers? So gosh, you know, fast forward in some ways I did, I've looked back in, it's interesting to look back in your life and realize that photos and stories always, there's a thread that runs through my life in that, but I didn't know it until later on. Uh, but when I was, so the, the the beginning of the photo organizers or the photo managers really happened when I was had been a early adapter to digital photography by because I worked in the was worked in scrap I helped people scrapbook I helped people make scrapbook photo albums to tell their stories when we were still using analog photos and I always say I wasn't the craft scrapbooker I mean I did do the craft piece of it but I was much more interested in the storytelling piece and the fact that you could actually write dialogue or write um write narratives next to photos, which to me is what mattered a lot more than just photos. And then when people were switching from analog to digital, they were asking me, could you teach me how to, you know, how do I get these photos from my memory card to my computer? How do I, uh, this is before the iPhone, but people would come to these classes I used to do with baggies of memory cards and they were treating them. They were like rolls of film and they were really worried. They didn't, couldn't understand the idea that they could delete the photos and things. So I, uh, people started, I started going to people's homes doing like call for free. And, um, finally a friend said, what do you charge per hour to come and help me? And I was, you know, just couldn't believe she wanted me to pay me something. And I was like, but you're my friend. And she insisted. And I get, you know, then this story I tell often, I got to her house and not only did she have a computer filled with images and memory cards that she couldn't get from her memory card to her computer. She, I think she was, her husband might've been a Mac user. She might've been PC, but she had pulled out the boxes of photos she had inherited from her parents who had just passed away. She was one of four siblings. Her kids were straddling the analog digital world. So she had all their baby pictures and analog photos. And she said, Kathy, I don't care how long it takes, but I guarantee hundreds of other Maria's just like me would pay somebody to do this. And so that was the beginning. That's how I kind of got started. So how did you go from serving individual clients like that 
to starting the photo managers, which has a great focus on teaching others how to serve individual clients. So Susan and I are both members of the photo managers. We're both certified by the photo managers. So how did you make the switch? Yeah, that's a great question. So I started my own business doing that and it grew very quickly. And because I had connections within, I think the scrapbooking world, I always call it my incredibly shrinking paycheck because we used to earn our income by selling a consumable product, which was papers and albums and pens and things like that. And once people stopped using, you know, printing analog photos and things, they're they, there was no longer a need. So the idea of going from selling, uh, making money by charging a fee for your your expertise as opposed to selling a product was a new concept. So other people would find me and they'd say, well, Kathy, this is really fascinating. Can you teach me to do what you're doing? And at first I was, again, giving people all my information, but then it got frustrating and I was it was exhausting because I was spending a lot of time sharing what had taken me quite a bit of time to develop. It wasn't an overnight process. It's too long to go into the details. But uh, so then I started thinking, well, what if I charged people a fee? Like you can have my a copy of my brochure and you can have a business card and, and then we'll do weekly phone calls. And that's literally how it got started. It was not, I, I can always say I kind of backed into it. I didn't wake up one morning and say today, I think I'll create a worldwide association of professional photo organizers with training and certification and things. It really was the opposite, almost like I kept trying to find an answer to a need I kept seeing. And that's really was the, the early stages. And it's just uh, grown significantly from there through a lot of, you know, just a lot of time and energy and learning. So it was before the internet was so big. I used to, people used to mail me their checks. I took a picture recently and I, I would literally mail that. They would mail me paper checks and, and I would, I had like a binder and that's how your name, that's how I like kept track of people was through a binder. So it was, uh, that was 14 years ago. So the, the world has changed quite a bit in 14 years. It has. So how does the certification help serve photo managers and this business? Yeah, that was one of the wiser decisions I made early on. I got a call because so... Here's an interesting story. And then Allison being an attorney or an ex, you know, former attorney. But I, so we, I called myself a personal photo organizer. And the reason I came up with that name was, first of all, I spent a lot of time debating whether I should be personal or professional. I decided on personal because photos are personal. It was a very clear decision on my part. So my first website was personal-photo-organizer.com. And because my friend Maria actually hired me to make an album of her parents, uh, she wanted a, a memory book. I said, well, Maria, I can't make that book if your photos are all unorganized because I need to have a beginning, middle and end to create this narrative. So that's where I came up with the idea that I'm a photo organizer because I have to organize your photos. I didn't really set out again with that concept. Everybody in the beginning through those people, we all called ourselves personal photo organizers. And I got a call from a client who was upset that her personal photo organizer didn't deliver the product that they promised. So this woman was like, your employee didn't give me what she wanted. And I was like, what? She's not my employee. Like, what do you mean she's my employee? And so then I went to meet with an attorney and they were like, oh, you can't all call yourself the same names. It's like a franchise. You're like creating a franchise model. This is illegal or you have to like, you know, if you're all the same name. And I was like, I don't want to create a franchise. So I uh, that's when I really went with the association concept. And also I knew at that point that our reputation could be deeply impacted by 
a bad experience from a client. And so that's when I created uh, the certification program, which we continually update. But that's when I came up with, we needed a code of ethics. We needed a way to say that if somebody didn't follow their code of ethics and we got complaints, that we had a way to you know, disqualify them in a way from membership. And uh, so we've continued to evolve the certification, but it's been probably the best decision I feel like I made early on was to protect the integrity of the profession because it really is personal, you know? So you do not want somebody working with your photos that's not ethical, that maybe, you know, might not follow through correctly. And I don't want our reputation impacted by that experience. So that's the, that was really the, the beginning story. And we've never had a complaint since. I've intervened only twice, twice with members, with clients. And each time it ended really successfully because the client and the photo organizer were at an impasse, maybe on a communication issue. And then me stepping in willingly to kind of hear, I was, you know, being a listening ear to the client. Sometimes the client just needed to feel like somebody was listening. And I, because my, I wasn't as invested, you know, I was able to listen. Uh, I, I definitely both times took the photo organizer's point I understood that the photo organizer was actually correcting what had happened and the client was just uh, not understanding the process but I but them feeling listened to and somebody saying I hear you was really helpful and so I take it that seriously I'm willing to intervene if if necessary to um, to assure a positive experience and outcome for everybody those attorneys can be tricky (laughs) (laughs) those attorneys can be Really tricky, but that was wise advice, you know, because I was very naive to what was happening. And I'm really, you know, it's another story about how much they charge me for that conversation. But that's another story for if we do an entrepreneurial podcast, I could talk about that. Maybe we'll have you back. Um, so what's the difference between a certified pro and, you know, somebody who's just out there working on their own stuff and then saying, well, I can help you with that. Like, why should yeah. somebody hire a certified pro over somebody else? That's a great question. Well, first of all, the fact that a, that a member or a photo organizer takes their business seriously enough to to actually complete certification right there is a sign that, you know, you're dealing with a professional and not just somebody who's kind of playing with it. And then also, I think the code of ethics, the agreement to that. But what what certification includes is what we call is we don't teach you how to do photo organizing in our certification. We teach best practices. And we know, you know, what are issues around copyright? What are issues around the best DPI to um, how often should a client, should a photo organizer be in touch with their client? What are the touch points? What does the end delivery product look like? So we coach and teach our members through the whole process, assuring that there's a, it's a win-win relationship for the, for the client. So they understand best practices in terms of how to do the work, also how to treat clients. And then they have to document a client project from start to finish. They have to take the time to actually submit us all that paperwork. We review that. We also check their references. We call and speak with their client who then uh, tells us, yes, they were great. Then they have an interview with me. They agree to their code of ethics. And at that point, they're considered certified and you can find them on our on our directory. So for the client who's looking to hire a professional, then they have that comfort knowing that they're talking to somebody who actually care deeply about the, the, the integrity of the work that they're doing and that we also have vetted them. Yeah, I know in my own personal journey through that, I struggled beginning that certification because it seemed very detailed and kind of overwhelming as you're getting started. And you're 
it, you're kind of drinking from a fire hose is how I describe it when you start this. And I, my background was in IT for over 35 years. So I have all the different skills necessary to do the services I provide, but bundling that all up with a nice bow and coming up with a company name and all that was just a lot. And I wanted to get certified, but you got to go through and find those paying customers initially. So it takes a little time to do that. And I was very nervous. And then like, once you finally get into it, you're like, oh, okay, this isn't so bad. And yeah. yeah and I, it's funny. And the paying piece, that's the other part. It's not, it, we're really clear. We don't want you to submit a project of your family and friends like your mother or your grandmother. That is really important that it's a paying client. Again, because this is a profession. So I think that's another differentiator from early on in my business that this was, I knew that I was creating a profession. I don't, there might be better terms to use, but I always wanted people to realize that this is not easy work and it requires constant education, constantly educating yourself on changing technology. And so to, to charge the fee that you need to charge to make a living, to make a living at this, it needs to be a professional. It needs to be seen as a true profession and the certification. And then, you know, not, not doing this just for family and friends was the critical component to that, in my opinion. And it's, and it's become that, you know, without question, what's really exciting for me, I don't want to go on too many tangents, but I get to be in the position of sitting here talking to lots of different companies that are testing new technology, that are looking to solve this problem that the customer is having that the consumer knows nothing about. They eventually always find their way to us, and they want to work with our members to per, to perfect their products before they bring them to you, the customer who's listening. And so a lot of our members are doing are do focus groups and you know kind of try and break new products and things because they're they're, they're kind of the feet on the ground in the customer's home, knowing the problem, the pain point that these technology companies are trying to fix. And we're just an amazing resource for them. And uh, again, because of the level of professionalism our members bring, these companies seek us out. That is the perfect segue because I literally was going to ask you next is technology moves so fast in this field that how do you keep up? Uh, you know, it's amazing. I let uh, the members themselves help help us keep up a lot as well, depending on the different skill sets people bring. But I think what we, um, uh, yeah, it, really the community. So that's the benefit, though. The other big benefit of membership, I think, is this community that we've created. Of you know, here's Susan. What you said? How many years, Susan? Seventeen or over over thirty five years? Yeah, thirty five years. You know, you have thirty five years experience. Uh, Allison, you come in at you come with a little different mindset, right? You've got your uh, attorney background, but also a phenomenal photographer of your own and your family photos, right? And other technology skills. You know, you're just two members, and and there's so many more members that are out there that we everybody is helping each other, kind of work through the issues that come up and uh, pay attention to the technology that's changing. Plus we care about it, right? So we're on the cutting edge, you know, I have all my Google alerts set up. So if Apple's going to make a sudden change or Google makes a change or, you know, Shutterfly makes the change that they made or Costco, you know, we we're edu- we're, I'm reading that. The most consumers aren't reading that, right? We're the ones who are reading that material and then analyzing it, disseminating it and figuring out how do we pass that information on correctly to the consumer. So they're, they're educated who's got time, honestly. Um, and I've said that to so many of these new companies that have, I've seen a lot of companies come and go. My joke is like the average consumer is not sitting around thinking, oh, who's created the best new app today so that I can organize and manage my photo collection. I, there's nobody sitting home today asking that, you know, waiting 
And so these, some of these companies are brilliant and they're, but they have no more, they, they haven't asked them. They, they forgot to see, they can't believe like nobody's finding them. They're like, how come we're getting no traction with this app or whatever? And it's like, because people are overwhelmed and they're too busy. Yeah. And that's what this podcast uh, hopes to do in the future is to bring that uh, inside knowledge of photo organizing to people, um, no matter where you are and where your interests are, whether you're uh, a do-it-yourselfer or a pro, um, we hope to keep you um, up to date with what's happening in the news and and with apps. And, you know, we, we're talking about a lot of photo management, but many of our members uh, expand their services to include helping people um, recover audio files or uh, messages from devices. So our knowledge has to, you know, span even further across the different platforms of media file types and and whatnot to um, help people gather their their legacy of of memories wherever they are. And that's the part I wanted to, I realize in all that I'm talking about though, in how I got started, it's really, to me, the heart of what we do is help people tell their, their stories that we, I believe that we are a people of stories and we tell the stories of our lives since we, since the invention of a camera or now video or whatever it is that we're using. Um, and, or through the written word, through letters, we, we tell our stories and our share our history. And that's what people care about. It's really not about the photo per se, you know, what's, for me, those that story about eighth grade, you know, going away, I remember being really homesick and understanding for the first time what homesickness felt like. And um, there's a storyline behind that, right? And also, um, so people are motivated and invested in this process because they're passing down their family stories and their legacies through this tech, through technology or through these different, and that's what's at risk of being lost. So there's that saying, like the most photographed generation in history is the most at risk of losing their visual heritage right now because of the just the sheer volume of photos and things. So that's why this podcast is perfect, right? We're going to help people keep that emotional connection, I'm sure, to the, the why of the photos and the stories. And not just, like you said, audio files. My first, one of my first clients had letters from the Civil War. And she wanted me to scan those. So it wasn't about photos. It was about, you know, Civil War letters. And I, I contacted an archivist and I learned about how to make sure I did that right and what kind of material I put the. F- so our members are educated on all sorts of different things like that. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point, because my my husband's family has letters like that, a whole legacy. We found all of the letters, scanned them and sent them to some Canadian historical societies, photos going back to you know, early 1900s. And yet my side of the family, I have like 10 photos from the time before I was 15. And so I keep asking my parents, where are these, right? The photo organizer with no photos of herself. It's it's kind of funny. Um, but when we start the process with clients, you know, they initially contact us because they have a one problem. Perhaps they have too many digital photos or they can't figure out all the duplicates, whatever. But as we move along, they discover more and more things that they have that creates their legacy and their puts their memories together for their kids. So then they start looking back and where are those old albums and photos from mom and dad? And oh, wait, look, here's a letter that grandpa wrote to grandma, you know, when he was in World War II or something. So it's a really broad range. It's not just photos. I think that now I wish we, we could do is yeah. memories all uh, over. Right. And we, you know, the memory 
sometimes the are we up we've we've changed our name multiple times. We were the personal photo organizers, and then we were APO or the Association of Personal Photo Organizers, and then we were now we're the photo managers. I changed that because I felt like the Association of, of Personal Photo Organizers. It was really less about organizing with changing technology and really more about management. We had to keep the word photo in there, but I always wish we could say photo slash video slash audio slash. I think video is the next frontier. I keep saying that, right? I mean, I take more and more videos. I just went and looked at new office space today, for instance, and I took a little, first I was taking still photos and then I thought, no, I need to take a little video of this because I want to be able to like see the whole room in a video format. Well, there on my phone is a little video. Now that's not one I care about, but what if it was, you know, me meeting my niece for the first time or something and I take that little video. So um, it's really about capturing those memories. Well, and and technology changes. So early on video was uh, G3P or uh, 3PG. I can't remember what the extension is. I should know this. And um, I think it's 3GP, depending on the phone that you had. Well, that does not translate into any uh, automated uh, program on your on your computers today that would play it. So you have to convert them. So there's quite a bit of knowledge of interacting with your client data and your your own data that you know you have to migrate uh, as technology changes. Get them off the DVDs because they don't last, or the old hard drives that could fail. Who has a, who has a VCR? Yes, you know, tape anymore or the DVDs. Another thing is, I one idea I had early on though, instead of personal, was calling myself the Geek Up Squad for photo organizing, like in a little pink car, because it was mostly women, right? It was women who, and still to this day, women want women um, get the, women tend to think that they're messing or people not just women, but a lot of people think they're doing something wrong. And I try and say to people, no, you haven't done anything wrong. That. The technology companies, Apple, it doesn't care that you have, you know, the fact, the more photos you have, the more storage you're going to buy, the better for them. So they have no reason, invested reason, really, to help you do a better job with this. And so uh, helping, hopefully in this podcast, you'll help give people, take away that feeling like there's some secret sauce that everybody else knew, but they didn't, right? How many times do you have clients that do, oh, but my photos, like so many people will say to me, yeah, but... I have, I don't even want to tell you. Like they want to, like, it's like a secret. They want to like tell me like some big secret, like, oh, that's think, every oh, no, I promise you, everybody <laughs> has that many. You are not, this is not, you did not do something wrong. You're not like, you're not dumb. You're not stupid. You didn't mix up. You didn't, you know, it's amazing how people tend to associate technology with like, they messed up. It's well, like, I think it's so emotional for people. You see a lot of shows now about hoarding. And some of the photo managers became photo managers from their home organizing business. Mm -hmm. And there's some personal uh, angst about how they manage their belongings in their home. And that also falls into the photo category, right? And so part of our job is uh, almost as therapists dealing Mm -hmm. with that uh, emotion around around people's photos and reassuring them that uh, we can handle their mess no matter how how large or small it is. And there is emotion, right? We have to be honest about that. We didn't all have perfect lives or we didn't all have, you know, perfect families and things and looking at photos too. There's, it, we don't want to over, you know, like a, everybody had a 
leave it to beaver type of family life, but it's, but your, but it's your story. Right. And it's what matters. Another fun part of it. I get to finally do what I've helped other people do. And I've always wanted my, so my son's getting married Labor Day weekend and I have been actively getting my own photos together finally, because the shoemaker can have no shoes. I've been too busy for 14 years doing building this that I've left behind, but, um, and then getting the photos from her parent. And I can't wait to, uh, you know, I'm actually hiring a professional photo organizer, one of our members who's really good at creating video montages. I realized I could do it, but I don't have time. So I'm hiring her to do it. And uh, I can't wait to tell that story of Joshua's early years and growing up years and then Kate's and then them coming together and then that wish for the future. One thing I'm doing different that I probably maybe because I as in the field a little bit, I uh, asked her family and f- sisters and friends and then Joshua and us to each say three words that would best describe them. And then I'm going to, as part of that video montage, I'm looking for photo like Joshua was mischievous. It's a number of people said uh, passionate. Another word for Joshua, my son is passionate, right? Everybody use that word because it's true. And so I have pictures of him as a baby, like, you know, red face screaming, and so that'll be part of, you know, Joshua was always passionate, right? And we could do the word. And then here's a bunch of pictures of him expressing a lot of emotion, right? Um, Kate was like, you know, kind of like kind, you know, so I'm, there's lots of pictures of her with animals and things. And so that's what it's all about, right? And I'm really thrilled for that, to go through the process of doing that and and sharing it. And maybe it's more for me than them. I don't know, but that's okay. I, I'm the mom. I get to do it for me. <laughs> so it um, may be right now more for you than them, but I, I guarantee that it will grow in importance to them over yeah. time. You know, they may not fully get the impact on the day. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. And but I bet later on, and if the they have children yeah. or, yeah. And then we'll do some pictures of the, you know, of their grandparents who have passed and Kate's grandfather just passed recently. She really wanted him to be at the wedding. It's a big loss for the family that he's not there. So we'll have pictures of him. And, you know, so that's what it's all about. Right. These kind of milestone moments that happen in your life. Um, it just happened. I've always talked about this for clients. and Now it's happening to me and I get to see what that's really like. And also the value of having somebody else help me with it. Nice. Because I got, I mean, I got to hang up from this podcast and go have my, the dress fitted that I bought for the wedding, you know? So you're busy when these things are, life events are coming up and it's really nice to hire somebody else to manage the pieces of it that you, that mean a lot to you and they can do a better job faster than I could. Yeah. Because you'll get lost in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So looking ahead, what are your long-term goals and aspirations for the photo managers? That's a great question that it'll go on long after me at this point. I think I realized a few years ago that I've built something that's going to outlive me and that I really, so we've put together an advisory board uh, now uh, to take us into the future and, you know, really just ensuring that this uh, profession continues to grow. I mean, I'm not leaving, not going anywhere anytime soon, but I think, um, we're in the infancy stages. I mean, we, I mean, everybody we talk to, everybody knows there's just, we're kind of on this bubble of growth where the consumer and the people know they need help. It's only going to get harder. It's really, uh, in a way it's digital asset management for families, but it's just, that's a big word basically that people, uh, don't understand. And I think, um, and it's worldwide. We just had our first uh, company from Australia, no, Austria. <laughs> I talked, they barely spoke English yesterday, a couple, they're photographers. She inherited her parents' photos. They were telling me in their broken German, which is all this, just is almost the same story. My story that I told you, I, it gets repeated to me in multiple languages at this point. We have members all over the world. And uh, because it's a human problem 
And so there's no reason. So for me, the future is, is amazing. And I want it to be, I guess what my legacy would be. I always say these things, a rising tide lifts all boats. We're collaborative, not competitive. So that this is, this is meaningful work. And uh, it's a community project in many ways. The community itself has built the organization. And when I, when I say community, I mean the professionals who do this are kind and caring people. And we want the customer that hires them to feel cared for. And I think that can happen throughout the world into the future. Nice. <laughs> so, so some of what, you know, we've talked a lot about how the photo manager's works with professional and helps trains professionals, but some of what you do is also public outreach Mm -hmm. and September coming up is save your photos month. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. I always knew that, um, I wanted to get back. Well, in some ways as an entrepreneur, the question somebody asked me is like, who are you for? And I had to make a decision. Was I for like the DIY market teaching everybody how to manage their photos or the professionals? And I, I made a decision, you know, six or seven years ago that I'm a hundred percent for the professional to help small business owners just have successful businesses doing meaningful work. But at the same time, I really care deeply about people's photos. So eight years ago, there was Hurricane Sandy came up the East Coast. There were floods in Calgary and there were terrible tornadoes in Missouri. And a lot of our members, you know, the news media always focuses on people standing in the ruins and they're usually finding the one cracked photo that or people were finding photos that were blown miles, you know, 100 miles away, 200 miles away from those uh, hurricane or the tornadoes. And we thought, what can we do to help people be prepared before a disaster strikes? So that's where the initial idea of Save Your Photos Month came from. It was really to help people be educated. But we realized early on that people don't really want to only be educated about like a disaster. So it's our way of giving back to the world that we have our members volunteer. We do a series of uh, small, we, now we do mini courses. We used to do like an hour course and now nobody's got the attention span. We shortened it to like half an hour. Now we do like 15 minutes, small bites of information around topics that matter to you. And each year we come up with a theme this year. It's around what is your legacy? What is uh, changing technology? How do you spark joy in, in uh, sharing photos? So each week we have a different series. These are many uh, courses that we develop and that we'll be sending out at the same time, professional photo organizers are teaching classes in their communities uh, as part of a give back to the world. So it's really our nonprofit, kind of a a way to give back to the world in terms of giving information dedicated all in one month. And these are recorded, right? These aren't just people having to log in at, you know, six o'clock on September 15th. No, right. So we release uh, release the courses each week. We release the courses for the week. At the end of the month, all of them they'll have been released, so you can watch them at your own time. And we keep them all live through the end of October. We also do weekly uh, live conversations with different professionals and things, and people love it. We have, I don't know, I think last year we had eighteen or nineteen thousand people view these courses. So and it keeps growing every year, and. Um, or participate in some form of a class, a webinar through one of their members. But it really is a kind of a, and September tends to be a heavy hurricane month and things this year. It seems like we could have a weather disaster anytime, but it's true though. If, you know, it, once your pets and family members are safe from any kind of disaster, the one thing most people are most devastated about having lost would be those photos, videos, letters, those keepsake items that really connect you to your family or your legacy or your past. Those are the things that are irreplaceable. And there's things that you can do today to make sure that they're not lost. So that is an important message that we want to get out to people. And 
and how to take the time to do that. So, well, this has been amazing. We have one last question for you. What's the strangest photo in your collection? <laughs> I don't, I can't think of the strangest. I don't know if I could come up with a strangest. I was starting to think about, um, well, what's your favorite then? Yeah, but I, a meaningful photo, one that I, that I don't think about often. Also, I had the opportunity. I met mother Teresa in Calcutta. Uh, many, many wow. years ago. And so a very meaningful photo to me is me in Calcutta, very, um, I'm in shock probably by the depth of poverty that I have witnessed at that point, because Calcutta, especially then, even now, but even then, uh, you know, we were in the midst of dying people and um, we had the opportunity to meet her in person at her, uh, where one of her places that she served people and um, very serious expression on my face, but she's this little tiny, you know, she's very tiny standing there. And I, it was just a very powerful moment that was captured on a, in a photograph. So I can prove that I actually met mother Teresa in Calcutta. So that's kind of a unique photo in my collection and not something I think about as much anymore because it was so long ago, but, but it, that, that experience of traveling to a, a, a country of when that devil of poverty uh, impacted my life significantly. It still does to this day. What Wonderful. an amazing memory to have in your collection. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, yeah. And I think that it kind of rooted me in, in our humanity in many ways, like how human we all really are and interconnected the earth, the world is. So I, I believe that deeply. And I think photos and videos tell that story in, in many ways and our nature photos, right? I mean, there's so many things else. I've seen your beautiful photos of birds and things, right? We just want to capture these. I don't know. Well, everybody place. captures what's what's most important to them. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, everyone's collection is different. But Kathy, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll let you go so you can go get ready for that <laughs> wedding dress, dress fitting, right. or the dress fitting, whatever it is you have going on. Um, uh-huh. And we really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Yeah, congratulations. I'm thrilled to uh, observe the more guests that you have and hope this grows with lots of listeners and then I'll come back someday and share something else. So thank you. That would be great. Yes. We hope that for us as well. All right. Thank you, Kathy. That was an incredible interview with Kathy. I just love how her early beginnings led to where she's at now and the growth of the photo managers association. So where did you, what did you think of it and how, where, you know, where are you at, Allison, with how'd you find the photo managers? Yeah, I I just thought that was so interesting. I always love talking to Kathy. And for me, it was funny because I had pretty much decided I didn't want to be a lawyer anymore and wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. And it was COVID. So I remember sitting at my kitchen table and I don't know how I came across it in the first place, but she used to have this video or maybe she still does about, you know, what a photo manager is and could this be a career for you? And I watched it and I started laughing, thinking, yeah, that sounds that sounds kind of fun. And then I actually showed it to my husband and he's he's watched the whole thing with me. And he said, that's totally you. You should do it. And then I left it for months. You know, it was still COVID. My kids were in school in my basement. We were trying to figure out all that stuff. But I kept coming back to the idea. And it was probably a good three or four or five months later where I decided, you know what? 
I'm going to give it a shot. And I reached out to Kathy and I started looking around at what the photo managers was and decided, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. Great. For me, I stumbled upon it because of my own pain point, which was knowing how important my photos and videos and documents have been. I've always been a, a master of backups. However, I didn't know how to use Lightroom as effectively and efficiently as I do now. And so some of my own pain points were bringing in previous image files and video into Lightroom catalogs and having something go wrong. They were named wrong or they didn't come in the right folder. And then I ended up with not just two duplicates, but at some point, five and 10 copies of the same image. And I needed to figure out how to efficiently and effectively dedupe my, you know, remove duplicates from my Lightroom catalog. And in that- So essentially what you're saying is you are all of our clients. Yes. Oh, yes, of course. I think that's how many of us got into this was trying to solve an issue that were a problem of uh, of managing our photos. For me, I uh, stumbled upon someone's website and they had a couple of tutorials, you know, courses about, you know, the tools to use to remove photos. But down in the footer, they mentioned something about the Association of Professional Photo Organizers. And I clicked through to that and it was like the yellow brick road, right? Now I I found the the source of where people were getting trained on the right way, the best practices of how to organize your photos. And it's not to say that I, I don't have a lot of software that could probably have helped me along the way. Um, I I've had a career in, in IT uh, trying to find the perfect software to do X, Y and Z. But this industry um I wanted to make sure I I knew what those best practices are. And so when I joined the photo managers in 2019, I just started buying courses by other professionals that they offer. And that's how my journey began. And as soon as I retired, I took a few months off to take a breather and and decompress and then jumped in a year ago in August, uh, building my new business. And I just, I just love it. And now you're one of my first go-tos for technical problems that I can't actually work through on my own, or I figure I could work through this on my own, but it's a lot faster to call Susan. Ah, You're not the only one. (laughs) So here we are. And uh, we want to bring you along for the ride. We know your pain points because we've got very similar ones and you're not alone. So whether you want us to guide you in your own journey or you want us to take on your your uh, projects, we're here to help. So that's it for our show today. I hope that you will stick with us as we explore all things photo organizing, things that you can implement as a do-it-yourselfer or as a pro. Next month, we'll start diving into what some of those pain points are that people see with their own photos and videos and their collections. So be sure to click follow so that you can stay up to date with the latest in photo organizing. And remember to check out our website for the resources that we talked about today and down in our show notes. And we'll catch you next month. Thanks, Allison. Thanks, Susan. We'll see you later. Bye for now.
I remember at one point too, when I really, I had to give up my clients was really hard. You know, I wasn't, I was a photo organizer for a really long time and it was really hard to start turning people, especially some of my really long-term ones. I had some of those clients that, you know, were going to be with me probably to this day and um, really making that decision that to, for this to really grow, I had to give it my full attention. But I remember always thinking, well, if it doesn't really work out, I could always go back to what I, being a photo organizer. And I know I'll make really good money at it because I was doing really well. I mean, it was like, and I needed that proof of concept to be able to say to people, yes, you can make a living at this, you know, because I had to make a living at it before I could ever have the confidence to say to other people they could. That's it for our show today. Remember, you can find this episode on all of your favorite podcast apps. Be sure to click follow so you can stay up to date with the latest in photo organizing. We'll catch you next month.